You're listening to a 3CR podcast of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Radio MMT respectfully acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting, the Wurundjeri people, and we are broadcasting to the Kulin Nations. Our focus is economics, that is, how stuff is produced and distributed. We recognise that for many tens of thousands of years, First Nations people's connection to country successfully embodied the world's oldest continuous economy, which was catastrophically disrupted by genocide and displacement. We acknowledge that we have much to learn to reshape our current extractive and exploitive system to achieve sustainable prosperity for everyone. Radio MMT. Economics for the rest of us with Anne and Kev. Radio MMT. Looking at the world through the lens of modern monetary theory. Radio MMT. Macroeconomics for a well-being economy. Macroeconomics? Like, isn't that incredibly boring? No, Kevin, it's incredibly interesting. It's all about who gets what and why. Who gets what and why? Okay, I'm in. Radio MMT at gmail.com. Incredibly interesting macroeconomics for the rest of us. Welcome to Radio MMT. How are you, Anne? Hello, Kevin, and hello to our lovely listener. You are joining us for our last episode of 2023. 2023, the last last show. Now, I was thinking that this, this episode, we should start and end the show with good news because we're going to do the bad news in the middle. What's the good news? We're going to the pub afterwards. Yeah, well, that's, that's good. <laughs> oh, yes, by the way, yes, if you are interested in catching up with us after the show, the fourth Friday of the month, we head to the Union, Union Club, Club Hotel. Hotel in Gore Street, Fitzroy. So if, you know, if you've got any questions about this crazy economic world, we're always happy to chat with you over a beer about yeah, that. If you, want, if you want to see a bunch of uh, economic nerds get on the sauce, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's another way of saying it. <laughs> the other good news I wanted to point out before we do the bad news, which is kind of in the form of Bill Mitchell's latest letter from the Cape. Right. I thought we could talk about stocking stuffers. Yes, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Given that it's kind of seasonal. Uh, yeah, I'm a bit opposed to that sort of stocking stuff. It's very capitalist for even me. Though, even though we're anti-capitalist, oh. <laughs> I'm going to go with the stocking stuffer image. Do you know that I don't buy any presents and I don't receive any presents on Christmas Day as, as a matter of, a matter of uh, a principle? Oh, you're in present equilibrium over there. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. It's about people, not stuff. Yeah, I and think so, a lot of people do that now. Yeah. They sort of just get together. Yeah, presents for kids. Yeah. You know, like yeah. like if yeah. you think your kid could possibly believe in Santa, then buy him a present. Otherwise, <laughs> stop it. But if you did want to celebrate by giving, Kevin, yeah. you know, modern monetary theory, this school of economics that you and I follow on this show... It's now into its third decade of trying to get traction. Mm. And so it's putting out items that are designed for popular culture. And so they would make great stocking stuffers. Although there is one that you can just go and get freely online. So we now have an actual manga comic. <laughs> yeah? Oh, <laughs> yes. no, you've told me about this, but yes. refresh my mind, refresh my memory. What's, what's so, so this is something that you can find on Bill Mitchell's website at mmted.org forward slash Smith Family. Smith Family is the family that features in this comic about MMT. 
and it's written by Bill and illustrated by a Japanese manga artist, oh, Mahana. Ah, this is his Japanese connection stuff because he mm. spends a lot of time in Japan, Bill. Yep. He finds it a very interesting place economically and uh, culturally. And there is one character, and I want to know what the background story is on this character mm-hmm. because he is called Kevin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that just a coincidence? <laughs> yes, it's just a coincidence. It's one of the good guys, though. There's bad guys and good guys if in this you, comic. If you start going through uh, popular culture, you'll find Kevin's popping up all over the place. <laughs> and I think they need to ask permission because... <laughs> a lot of people taking your name oh, in vain. Yeah. And also, there are a couple of books out there that I would recommend. There's Money for Beginners by Randall Ray. Right. Now, Randall Ray is one of the professors of economics who also, along with Bill Mitchell founded Modern Monetary Theory. Right. So uh, Money for Beginners is aimed at someone who doesn't know economic jargon. What Bill has said is that learning this economics is like learning a new language. And I think that's because we're not taught about any of this stuff at school. And so, of course, none of us have the language to describe money. So you and I will talk about a monetary system rather than just money. There's all these moving parts and you don't have the language for it. So it's great to have one of these beginning books. And then I was listening to a recent episode of Macro and Cheese, which is a podcast all about MMT. And you and I spoke with the host, Stephen Grumbine. Stephen Grumbine, yes. Interesting fella, Steve Grumbine. uh, He's like a a convert. He's a a Damascus moment. He's wonderful, isn't he? Because he was almost like a right-wing libertarian. Yeah, came from completely the other side and then actually listened when he's having the uh, conversation. Yep. Hang on, this makes sense. Uh, so he was having this really interesting conversation with an author, Corey Doctorow, and he wrote a book uh, recently published called The Lost Cause, uh, which sounds a bit of a downer, but it bills itself as a solar punk science fiction novel of hope amidst the climate emergency. <laughs> That's what we need, a bit of hope. Well, that's what I always think, that, you know, MMT is like this ray of hope amidst the climate emergency. Well, something's going to come through. Well, How do we come through yeah. the other side? That's that's where we come in. That's, that's right. Yeah. What are the obstacles that are stopping us dealing with this in a serious way? And one of the obstacles is do we have the technology and the materials? Yep. And if we do have enough cobalt and, I don't know, whatever else whatever, we're going to need. Whatever is required, yeah. <laughs> the stuff. Do we have the resources mm. in terms of material resources and human resources? Yeah. And then the next obstacle is always, well, do we have the money to pay for that? And that question has got to stop being asked because the answer is always yes. Yes. <laughs> and that's the ray of hope that MMT is. Yeah. And then the third thing is, do we have the political will to do anything about it? And the answer to that is oh, no. That's the tough moment. one. And that's that's where the battlefield is at the moment, is trying to convince people who make decisions, i.e. politicians, to simply have a look. Once you have a look at uh, the economy through an MMT lens, it's not complicated. Mm. And as I keep on saying, the, the hardest thing to do is just to break the, the neoliberal brainwashing. That's right. So that's why you need to give these stocking stuffers yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to your friends and relatives. Start infiltrating your friends. <laughs> And the last stocking stuffer, which you can go out and buy right now, and you and I recently talked about MMT the movie, Kevin. Yes. And that's a new documentary called Finding the Money that will be coming out to Australia next year, and it's travelling around the country along with Stephanie Kelton, another professor of economics, and she's the one who wrote a book called The Deficit Myth. So you can actually see her in person and ask her your questions. 
she's an excellent spokesperson. spokesperson for MMT. I think it's a great thing to get together with people in the same room and you watch this thing and not only is the documentary going to be fantastic, as we will hear in a moment, but you're surrounded by like minds. Now, can you go through that from the beginning? The first thing was the cartoon and that was called... The Smith Family. And we find that through... Uh, MMT Ed. MMT Ed, which is Bill Mitchell's uh, site. And then we had... A uh, couple of books. A couple of books. Money for Beginners and The Lost Cause. The Lost Cause. And finally, <laughs> MMT the movie. Finding the Money. Finding the Money. Okay. In yeah. your diary, put Friday the 8th of March at 7pm Solidarity Hall, which is that beautifully renovated room at Trades Hall in Carlton. Excellent. Uh, shall we play a bit of a, um, a promo for this uh, Finding the Money movie? So much of the public discourse, it's like we're going through life with one eye shut and one eye open, and we're only getting half the picture. And then somebody like me comes in and says, well, let's make sure we see the full picture. New worries today over the exploding federal debt. The federal government is We're broke. bankrupting our country. We want to lift this crushing burden of debt off of our children, children and grandchildren. The government debt is not a burden on anyone. The national debt is exactly the opposite of what the orthodox story tells us. An unconventional economic theory is gaining some traction. Modern monetary theory, MMT. And one of its leading proponents is Professor Stephanie Kelton. One of the most influential and indeed controversial economists in America today. In conventional wisdom, surpluses are good, deficits are bad. We're borrowing trillions of dollars from China. Does the government have to borrow dollars? No. Of course not. The federal government is where the money comes from. When a fringe economic theory goes mainstream, you better pay attention. You could take the national debt clock that scares everyone and just rename it the US dollar savings clock. And I think everybody would have a very different kind of reaction. The true story of money is not the story that I've been told. very Americanized. <laughs> it is an American production, but yeah. it all pertains to Australia. And that's basically the Australian federal government issues Australian dollars and the US government issues American dollars. Yeah, it's all it's all, it's all all tied in together. I, I prefer to hear things in an, an Australian accent, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I haven't seen the whole movie yet, Kevin, no. and I really want to hear what the mainstream economists have to say because the mainstream economists, they're always critical of MMT. Yeah, and, and the mainstream economists who criticise MMT invariably have not really looked into it. They just make these sweeping statements. Mm. For example, they will say that MMT says that all we have to do is print the money and we'll solve the world's problems. And that will cause inflation. Failing to recognise that, that printing money is the wrong term. You're talking about government spending mm -hmm. and they talk about it as if it's um, some unusual thing when it's what the government does all the time and has been for decades and decades. So the problem with saying printing money, and I've been guilty of it myself as a shorthand for describing that the government has only one way to spend money and that way is to create money but it's not really doing it by printing money and so you don't really want to say printing money because that gives the impression firstly that the government's creating money without spending money and it's also giving you the impression that when it's creating money it's creating it in the form of dollar notes and that somehow it's stashing these notes or this money in a room somewhere that it can use later. 
So there's no such thing as printing money without spending money. It's the same operation. And what that operation looks like is that Parliament makes a decision. They instruct the Treasury. The Treasury instructs the Reserve Bank of Australia. The Reserve Bank types numbers into commercial bank accounts and the commercial banks then type the numbers into our bank accounts. So, for example, if you got a pension cheque recently for, say, $900... That was the Reserve Bank telling your bank to type 900 into your bank account. So it didn't print money. It it, it allocates money. Uh, it's, it's an accounting operation. It sees that spending needs to be done. And then when it spends, these are new dollars that enter the economy. That's right. If you think of notes as just one small part of the monetary system, and they're just a token that represents something. So, for example, if you go and buy a ticket for finding the money... Well, how much is a ticket for finding the money, by the way? Is it approximately $15? Uh, Yes, I think there are early bird tickets, and they're on sale at modernmoneylab.org.au. That's very cheap for a movie, Anne, I would have thought. That's a good deal. Especially one that's going to change the world. (laughs) Um, So if you buy those tickets, those tickets represent your ability to access the movie. But you're never going to look at the ticket and think it's the movie. And it's the same with money. If you have $10 note in your pocket, that is not really a monetary system. That is your ticket for $10 worth of um, services and goods in the economy. It's your access to $10 worth of the economy. So it's like a ticket to the economy. Yeah. Radio MMT on 3CR between 5.30 and 6.30pm the second and fourth Friday of each month. Radio MMT. If you like our show, subscribe to 3cr.org.au and mention Radio MMT. And you can find us through your favourite podcaster and give us lots of stars. And or give us a like on Facebook, Twitter or YouTube. Your support really helps. Because if you're not liked on social media, you don't exist. (laughs) We are in the middle of the show here, and I was thinking that if you have any sense of shared humanity at the moment, you will find it difficult to truly celebrate 2023 when we do have the ongoing genocidal horror that is being inflicted by Israel upon the Palestinians in Gaza at the moment, not to mention other war zones and other severe uh, weather events. Bill's going to talk about this in his letter now. And I just wanted to remind us that when Bill mentions fiscal support, that's economists speak for the ability of the currency issuing federal government to spend their own currency in support of some activity. It's time for a letter from the Cape with economist Bill Bill Mitchell. Hello, and here is another episode in my letter from the CAPE series where I talk about modern monetary theory, or MMT, as it applies to the real-world challenges and problems. By now we are familiar with the horror of the long-standing and illegal Israeli occupation of Palestinian lands and the retaliations that that oppression has wrought. I don't support any form of terrorism, but for the Australian Defence Minister to assert that the brutal attacks by Hamas on Israeli citizens were, in his words, unprovoked, disqualifies him, in my view, from being considered a credible commentator on the disaster. The US is the most martial nation in history, 
and regularly prosecutes conflicts around the world, sometimes with justification, but mostly illegally. As the Israelis destroy the infrastructure of Gaza and murder thousands of innocent civilians, the US Department of Defence is scurrying around to find more so-called precision weapons and artillery shells to supply to Israel to feed their relentless attacks on the Palestinians. Imagine the sheer quantity of resources that are being used in the assault. One department official was quoted in the media with reference to the Ukraine situation as saying, The scale is phenomenal when you look at the consumption of 155 rounds. We have not seen anything like it and the scale is incredibly daunting, especially when you're in those meetings and you talk about what we need to do to increase our artillery production. Already the US Department of Defence was stretched in supplying Ukraine with weapons. Last week, not long after the Israeli assault on Gaza began in earnest, I read that the IDF had already expended 8,000 precision munitions. There is a huge list of weapons that the US supplies the IDF, and most are massive chunks of metal and other components that are being projected through the sky at withering frequency. And of course, the destruction of resources and lives that results is also beyond our normal scope for imagination. While many of us look on in horror and disdain, the US corporate sector is having a picnic. One corporate boss in the US was quoted as saying, we need to figure out how to put the defence industry on a wartime footing, even if US troops aren't at war. Others are claiming that there needs to be an urgent increase in fiscal support for the US defence industry and are using the China might now attack us while we are short of weapons justification to support their desire for more corporate support from the US government, or should I say, corporate welfare. The US Defence Department is aiming to scale up production of 155mm artillery shelves from the present 14,000 per month to 100,000 per month by 2025. And if the IDF really try to enter Gaza and flush Hamas soldiers out, then history tells us that there will be a long drawn out process requiring massive fiscal support for an extended period. Back home in the US, around 12% of Americans live in poverty. That is 38 million people. The poverty rate in the US has hovered around that rate since the 1970s. In the 1960s, the so-called war on poverty saw the poverty rate tumble and by the end of the decade it had reached the level seen today. No further progress has been made in 50 odd years despite the war on poverty demonstrating categorically that with appropriate fiscal support, government agencies can significantly reduce poverty and, if the effort is sustained for long enough, eliminate it. The main reason that the poverty rate has remained at those elevated levels for so long in the US is because there is no effective welfare safety net in place. There is a long literature that has recorded the corporate hostility towards government welfare and social policies. During the Great Depression, there was a businessman's crusade against the New Deal. Later, the Koch brothers, 
the mega-rich industrialists funded conservative platforms to pressure the government into abandoning welfare support for the most downtrodden Americans. What we know is that the image these conservatives give out of being wealth makers who are robustly independent of the state is fictional. Capitalism has become necrotically dependent on the fiscal capacity of the state. The realisation of private profit requires continual and expanding fiscal support through procurement contracts, handouts and suppression of the disadvantaged to ensure there is always a cheap pool of labour available. Without that massive fiscal support, capitalism in its current form would not survive. It is not just the so-called military-industrial complex that is propped up by government support. Corporate welfare permeates the US system as it does in every nation. Social welfare needs, though, struggle to maintain funding and the result is that millions live in poverty around the world in the age of the iPhone. When asked the other day whether the US government could afford to finance two war efforts, the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, said that America can certainly afford to stand with Israel and to support Israel's military needs, and we also can and must support Ukraine in its struggle against Russia. So no shortage of funds, which is obvious given that the US government is the sole issuer of the US dollar. They have an infinite supply capacity to fund any program, given resource availability. The fact that the US government chooses to fund the murder of thousands of innocent citizens in Gaza and the destruction of their communities, while millions are living in poverty within their own borders, is a depravity of modern life that is beyond belief. I'm sorry to end on that note. Until next time, see you later. That was Bill, and I thought this letter from Bill was a really interesting example of how to apply the MMT lens to a current situation. So, of course, MMT itself, it's not about geopolitics and not a study of of the history of uh, Israel and Palestine, but MMT can tell us something about the economics of what's going on, and that's what Bill was pointing to. And notice that Bill did not ask us to consider how much money the US is spending on this. Rather, he said, imagine the sheer quantity of resources that are being used in the assault. And I thought a really important point that he made is how this prosecution of wars outside of its borders is linked to poverty back home within the United States. And the thing is that these are linked not in the way that people usually think. So most people think that when the US spends money on its military, that this is taking dollars away from other things like healthcare or housing. Or most people might think that when the US spends money on these weapons, that this means that the US government is in danger of running out of money. 
And of course, it can't run out of money, but it can run out of those chunks of steel that, that Bill was mentioning. So what we see here is what we hear all the time uh, when there's conflict, when there's war. Nobody asks where the money's coming from then when, mm. when there's a situation like that. Essentially, you've got a, a sovereign government mm-hmm. pouring currency into a war effort. You think about World War Two. We, we went from... Uh, high unemployment during the Great Depression Hmm. to full employment in a very short amount of time. How did that happen? And that was facilitated by the government paying soldiers to fight, paying women to work in the factories. Hmm. That injects a whole bunch of of new currency into an economy. Uh, And that's... Mobilising unused resources, as the economists say. Yeah. So it's terrible that we see see these economies flourishing for such a bad reason mm. you know and you compare that to the covid episode where mm. a government had to inject vast amounts of currency into an economy whose model had stalled mm. uh, and you go well that's a good use of doing the same yeah. thing but you can see that the mechanism is always available it's that's just right. there that's right so one of the myths that's coming out of that covid episode is that the government can only do that during a crisis So, of course, we saw the government in Australia, I think they took on about two-thirds of the payroll in Australia. Now, they could take on 100% of the payroll here. They could pay every worker indefinitely if they wanted to. But, of course, that would be central planning and we're not going to go down that path. Yeah, and you've got to to consider what the impact uh, of a government spending into the economy is. Everybody says, oh, you can't just spend it in the economy. Quite correct. It has to be targeted. Hmm. So it would be much better to use your labour force to be building homes than to be off there flying drones through someone's territory or something. To to give you a practical example of that, and this comes back to to America in the post-World War II, that was when Trump's father set up his empire because the government paid him to build accommodation for returned soldiers. Ah. That's the, that's the foundations mm. of the of the Trump empire was the government said, right, we've, mm. we've had a war, we, we need to house the, um, the the soldiers who did such a great job. Mm-hmm. Here's a, a truckload of money, go build some housing. That's mm. that's the beginning of, and, and then ended up with being Trump. That's yeah. what, what produced the golden age was the government spending into the economy. Um, but I did just want to go back to this idea of how is this spending on warfare abroad connected to poverty at home? And like you were just saying, these are both government choices and they're both choices about how you target the spending. So when you hear economists talk about targeting the spending, this is such an important point because what we're talking about is, well, yes, you can send shrapnel through the flesh of young children in Palestine or you could house the homeless in America. But both have a beneficial um, impact on the economy. You're certainly on the businesses and corporations. Which is to say that they inject uh, new currency into an economy. Mm-hmm. Why you'd want to send shrapnel through children to achieve that end is is just insane. So the, this is the ray of hope here, is that if we do want a peaceful world without anybody living in poverty, all we need to do is change those spending choices. That's what it's about. Yeah. If we are changing those spending choices, it's not because we need the money that's being spent on the military. And then we can also ask, like you just pointed out, who's benefiting from this spending. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet, www.3cr.org.au. Uh, Bill did mention the Koch brothers. Koch, K-O- brothers? K-O-C-H. 
And you and I came across mention of the brothers uh, when we read the book Democracy in Chains by Nancy McLean. An excellent book. I mean, Democracy in Chains by Nancy McLean. It's another stocking stuffer. Yeah, read it. Once you've read it, you can't unread it. You can't unread that one. It changes everything. So the Koch Industries, they're the second largest privately owned company in the United States. And in 2019, they had revenues of $115 billion billion with a B. And, of course, they got their start in the fossil fuel industry. Yeah. Privately owned. The family owns all this. And two of the brothers, I think there's four children and Charles and David, and David is now deceased. But for 40 years, the pair of them were pouring millions of dollars into right-wing libertarian think tanks promoting the neoliberal message. They were pouring money into academia, into schools of economics and law. Buying the university courses on the provision that they change the courses to meet their neoliberal agenda. That's right. Pouring money into the media and into running political candidates. And one thing that Nancy McLean tells us is that by 1990, 40% of the US federal judiciary had been treated to a cockbacked curriculum in law and economics. I think they're also behind the building of the uh, of the World Trade Center that eventually got knocked down as oh, well. Really? Yeah. The, the interesting thing about the Koch brothers is that nobody, like, I, I don't even know how to pronounce their name properly. <laughs> no okay? one's ever heard of them. No one's ever heard of them. We don't know mm. their names. And their job is to siphon as much money as they can towards them. Now, mm. all profit comes from government deficits, and I'm quite comfortable saying that mm-hmm. in a very simple form, so that the profit that these people have is public money. The government spends into the economy, and they hoover it all up. Mm. And and this is, I wouldn't call it a premeditated design. I'm not going to call this a conspiracy. Mm. The the object of this structure with the mega rich and the, the, the facilitators, the middle management, is to keep us who are the workers the five-figure uh, income earners, their job is to keep us spinning and working for them and funneling money. Every time you fill up your car, you're making somebody who's already mega rich mm-hmm. even richer. You buy something from the supermarket, Montesanto's, mm-hmm. their, their claws on it. Mm-hmm. And I reckon about half of what we spend goes to making mm-hmm. ridiculously rich people even richer. Yes, and one way to mitigate that inevitable accumulation of capital is through taxation. And that is why you will hear that kind of message coming from those think tanks saying that taxes are the worst kind of evil. Because that, that levels the playing field. And these people mm. don't want a level playing field. They, mm-hmm. want, they want all the privileges that come with their artificial and enormous wealth. Yeah, so that's one good reason to have taxes because even though the Australian federal government can never run out of dollars, it does want to hoover the, the money back out of the economy to stop it accumulating in the hands of those who can then distort the political process. Because because they will distort the um, the economy as well. If they mm. have uh, an, an excess spending capability, they will push the prices of things up so that mm. ordinary people can't attain them. And they'll also buy influence, a, a disproportionate mm-hmm. amount of influence. It's- and they are scarily influential, Kevin. Yep. And if you think they have no influence in Australia, think, think again. again. One example, of course, we've um, mentioned on the program here before is Tom Switzer, who is a past Liberal Party advisor and current journalist on ABC Radio National. And he undertook a three-year cadetship with the Koch-funded American Enterprise Institute following his graduation. Mm. <laughs> hmm. 
so the, these organisations, these think tanks, they've spread their tentacles throughout the globe and into Australia. And that's why we saw lots of um, really nasty decisions, I think, coming out of the Howard era. Yeah, all based on that stuff, all the uh, Institute of Public Affairs, the IPA stuff and the rest of it. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're all singing from the same hymn book. That's right. You know, and th- to hear... You know, the major parties, Labor included, captured by this. this uh, yeah. So you can see how with that kind of uh, money behind them, um, you can see how that this propaganda has really overwhelmed the view that uh, Social Security represents, actually, you know, it's our collective support for individuals facing a tough time. And it's something that allows people to have second chances in life. If you don't have a trust fund and you happen to, you know, uh, crash your car while you're drunk driving or if you happen to drop out of uni, you can always have a second chance. But for a lot of people, without a social safety net, you don't get a second chance. We are kept kept insecure to keep feeding their machines. It's That's like right. so long as we have debt or you know, a rent to pay or a mortgage with an interest rate that goes up. And we're always sitting there going, oh, crikey, you've got to get back out there and put my shoulder to the wheel. You know, um, Keynes said that we should be working 20-hour weeks now. We should be. We should be. And, that, mm-hmm. and, the, and the money that comes from the from the extra 20 hours a week that we're working that we shouldn't be mm. gets siphoned through to the top. And the other money that we've got, half of that gets siphoned through to the top as well. That's they are right. sucking us dry yeah. and, and keeping us lean and mean. Uh, um, you know, uh, workers have this exorbitant amount of tax that they have to pay. And I think that that is there to keep them lean and mean. So not just from a private capacity, but even from a a governmental capacity, Mm -hmm. there are these mechanisms to keep us. You're in the pincer between uh, the government and the bigger corporations. Yeah. And they just keep the same machine ticking over and over and over, Mm. uh, you know, and they do they do it very well. They've got the money behind it to market it They've properly. They've got the resources and that's what counts. Yeah, but those resources, and I have to keep on reminding people, every dollar of profit is public money. It came from a government deficit. Mm-hmm. That's our money. And, and yeah. if Don't we Don't think it's these genius entrepreneurs who should be left alone and untaxed. Well, the only genius they have is, is how to hoover money away from, <laughs> uh, from the, the bulk of the population and keep it for themselves. Um, I do think we have to head off, Anne. And just to say thank you to everyone who listened to us throughout the year and sent us little messages of support. It helps keep us going. And we really look forward to spending some time with you in 2024 and especially catching up with these film screenings. Yeah, so have a great break and uh, we'll see you soon. See you then. You've been listening to Radio MMT with Anne and Kev. We'd love your feedback. Email us on radiommt at gmail.com or search Radio MMT on social media. Listen to this show anytime, wherever you get your podcasts or on 3cr.org.au forward slash Radio MMT. Support this show and the station by subscribing to 3cr.org.au and mention Radio MMT. We thank all our guests. And we thank economist Professor Bill Mitchell and his mmted.org, educating masses on modern monetary theory. And thank you to our listening listeners for listening. And I thank you, Kevin. And I thank you, Anne. So what's planned for next week? Kevin, there is still so much to talk about. We've got to expose all this rotten economics. 
Well, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's good, and I get it. Do you reckon we could use a bit more music? Well, I made a list of all these terrible economic theories. Like, have heard of the theory of comparative advantage, or the quantity theory of money, or the loanable funds theory? Have you heard of a band called Single Gun Theory? Like, they're a really good band. <laughs> I'm sure there's a whole range of, like, macroeconomic music that I could bring into the show. Yeah, yeah, but we really need to do marginal productivity theory, not to mention the natural rate of unemployment and the money multiplier. You've got a pretty good singing voice. I play bass. <laughs> Bill, Bill, he plays guitar. I reckon we could form a macroeconomic band. Like, we could deliver this whole message by music. Well, we could call the band the Permanent Income Hypothesis or the Ricardian Equivalent or Rational Expectations. I think we're onto something here. We're trying to make macroeconomics more interesting to the masses. We're going to, like, form this band and sing it to them. And we're going we're to bring the economists in. We're going to get musical. We're going to do the regression theory of money to music. That will work. That's good. <laughs> regression theory of money. What runs with regression? Regression, suppression, <laughs> institution. There's, there's a world of opportunity here. This, this, this is the lead. This is going to work. You know Bill's going to want to start. Like, you'll be straight on. Uh-huh. Have you ever sung before in a band? No, you don't. You do not want to hear me singing, Kevin. <laughs> What's your next theory? Just singing. Just like, do it to make you feel like you're really We'll get there, we'll get there. Okay, okay. I'm not going to go. How's about dynamic, stochastic, general equilibrium? With a section of all the years, never too late to learn it. An instrumental macroeconomics work. This will work. This will work. I'm sure it will work.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.